What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And today we are talking about mixing traditions. Which is mostly going to be me asking you questions. Well, but I think it goes beyond that. I mean, I think when we talk about mixing traditions, or you say the term mixing traditions, we assume that there is like these huge things that you're doing. You know, you are um, putting ritual together, you're making all these things different. And it could just be like slight things that you're mixing. So, you know, I also want to talk about why we're talking about this. And I think it's something we've been curious about for a while. Mm -hmm. But I also got an email recently somebody asking you know is it okay to mix these pantheons um they're interested in their culture and hey is it all right to put that in my wicca and we thought you know what it's probably time it's probably time that we talked yeah. about how you do it why you you should do it if you're so inclined so i think that's where this is all coming from so you really don't mix anything there's nothing that you've gotten from a class, even if it's Wicca, because you're Hellenic, but is there anything that you've done that you've got, hey, you know what? I could use this. I could do this now with my Hellenic practice. Let's let's just snitch on ourselves. Scorpio asked me before we started recording about the year and a day if I had like incorporated anything or like thought about she was like, Are you like more conscious of the wheel of the year? And I was like, absolutely not. I still Google the holidays to make sure that I'm getting them right. Um I think for me so much of my practice early on was unmixing, right? Because I started in this very eclectic Wiccan context and I realized I, this doesn't resonate. I don't like it. So for me, it was always about like trying to remove as much of the, as much of the gardener from what I was doing as I could. Um, and I think that for a lot of people who do reconstruction, you see a lot of that is that we're we're kind of actively trying to sift through the things that are just generic occult material or stuff that was Wiccan and then kind of just became accepted into witchcraft practice and try to create a, a foundation that is true to the spirit of the religion that we are reviving or reconstructing. Um, as far as like if we're going to be very honest, I'm I'm sure that I do still do mixing because I think that, you know, a lot of the ways that we treat color magic or candle magic at this point in the history of witchcraft has become so muddled. Um, and as much as I have always tried to be like, I use my own um, correspondences, I use things that are important to me and that connect to me through whatever reason, some of those connections are fundamentally going to be, ah, well, I read this in this book. And if we trace that book, that book is tracing back to Wicca. So do I mix things? Probably. But am I conscious of it? No, because I'm trying so hard to be not mixing. And I think that's why I wanted you to start with, with the whole topic, because that's the key. We're mixing and not even realizing it because whatever. Everybody might have a different reason. Not everybody's going to say the same thing you said. But we're getting to the point where no matter how you start, you're going to learn something from someone else that is telling you that this thing, this ritual, this spell is Wiccan, but actually has its roots somewhere else. And we talked about that a little bit. We talked about reincarnation, this idea that you know, Wiccans believe one thing, mm -hmm. but where does it come from? 
you know, how much of it is taken from Buddhist practice, from Hindu practice. We're not really acknowledging it. It's just part of Wicca. But it isn't. Yeah. You know? So I, I think that it's important for everybody to, like, think about that. It's not a bad thing. I also think I wanted to ask you because you're not Wiccan. So because the the culture, the, the Wiccan culture, the mm-hmm. religion is so pervasive now, is there any witch that isn't doing a little bit of Wicca in their practice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think nowadays is you have the most access to the most different um, cultures and religions and information, and you have the most access to sort of honesty about where these things come from. Because I think back to 15, 20 years ago when I was doing my research for the first time, and it's like nobody nobody ever admitted that like, oh, these things are from Kabbalah or, you know, these things were taken from Hindu practice. And so if anybody is going to be not mixing, you're more likely to be able to do it today. And yet I think the way that the community works, you are also the least likely to be not mixing. Right, right. Like you have the information to not mix, but the community is not going to let you do that. You know, when you think about Gardner, and maybe this is how I put this. For me, I already mentioned how I started with Wicca. Yeah. How instrumental the Witch's Bible Complete is. And I think when I was younger... It meant one thing. And as I got older, I interpreted it completely differently. Yeah. And this is what I mean. So when I first read it, I went, oh, my God, I'm Wiccan because I was raised this way, this particular way. And a lot of the stuff in the book resonated with what I had been told. Mm-hmm. So I now had books. I had an access to more books and more information if I followed the Wiccan path, period. Then comes uh, Buckland, you know, reading all these other things. But as I got older, you know, I I kept my Wicca one way, one way in one place, and I kept my cultural practices, my Spiritismo, separately. Why? Because they weren't the same. But yet, where was that idea that, hey, they wrote this? It's just like that. Instead of mm-hmm. me saying, hold on a second. What can I take from this and how can I put them together? I said, oh, this is good. I can grasp this, but now they're going to be separate. I'm going to be Wiccan. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to talk about Espiritismo, but I have, let's say, my altar to my gods, but I have my guides that I talked to. And they were just kind of two separate things. As I got older, I realized, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm looking at this wrong. It's not that I have to be two different things or that, oh, wow, this sounds like this. This is just, okay, the Wicca stuff aligns in many ways to my cultural practice. So why can't I learn from as many sources as possible things that ring true to me and make it one particular practice? In other words, why does it have to be all one? Why does it have to be all the other? And the longer that I'm on this planet, the more keeping them separate just didn't make sense. I also think because if we're taking this as a religion, One of the things that Wiccans always complain about is, well, organized religion tells you what to do. Organized religion tells you, you can't put this here and you can't do that if you're going to be a good blank, whatever that is. So when people say to me, well, you can't have gods from different pantheons, you know, on your altar. You got to choose one. 
That to me sounds just like organized religion when they say you can't do this. If you're vibing with a specific deity, specific spirit, why do you have to say now, oh, wow, see, I vibe with her too. Sorry, you're not from the same place she is. If our gods are that petty, then how are we different from some of these other religions? My gods are very petty. <laughs> well, yeah, okay, the Greek <laughs> gods are. My gods are incredibly petty. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is. Yes, I, no, I understand. Yeah, right? There are some religions that are afraid of the big man in the sky mm -hmm. saying you're a bad person. And I won't love you if you don't do these things. Or I love you, but I must punish you first. And if I want to have different deities on my altar and they don't get along, then there's a problem with these them. It's not with me. It's, it's on them. Mm -hmm. And then someone's got to go and it's not going to be me. So I've never had a problem having different things on my altar. The minute I started doing that, I had zero problems. I did not feel less connected to my gods. I did not feel that my ancestors were upset. I didn't feel anything. I felt, or I feel now, that my altar is a reflection of who I am in my practice. And it may not make sense to a Wiccan person. It may not make sense to, um, you know, somebody who studies or who works with Espiritismo or Santeria or something like that. But my altar makes sense to me. And I am the witch going to this altar and working with it. So I'm the only one it has to make sense to. Are you ready for the loony tunery that's going to come out of my mouth right now? <laughs> Go ahead. I almost feel like societally we're mm -hmm. in like this transitional place because okay. I think that on the one hand, we, we have to be conscious of the ways in which the past has taken away from people, right? And, and especially taken away connection to religion and spirituality. There is a hypothetical future where we are all kind and respectful to each other and can share our cultures and religions in a constructive way that allows us, you know, I think a lot of older religions had this idea that we would one day come to like enlightenment. And maybe that's the idea is like we share all of those religions together to finally find like an enlightened sort of connection. Mm. But we're in this transitional phase where it's like on the one hand, you know, I don't think that mixing traditions is inherently good because I don't want to, I don't want to take away from the religion or the spirituality in its, uh, kind of cultural or traditional sense. But at the same time, I think you're right that like there's this there's this desire to keep everything in these little compartments. You know, like my Wicca can't touch my cultural practice, but it it feels it feels unhealthy almost hmm. to say that because then are you really getting the most from your practices if you have to separate them off like that and, and make yourself into like these separate people? You know, this is the Wiccan Scorpio and this is the Taino Scorpio and this is whatever other Scorpio. Like, why, why do we have to compartmentalize ourselves? But we have to because we're in this transitional phase because there's no, there's no answer, right? Like individually we can 
make these small communities that are connected and that share, right, in like the the culturally sensitive, appropriate way. But as a society, we're still being constantly affected by the way that we couldn't share and refused to share. And at some point, we're going to figure out a way to bridge those, but it's almost like we're not there yet. And so I'm just like spinning my heels, like what, because you're right, like everything you've said makes sense. And it would be stupid. It would be stupid for another person to come to you and be like, no, Scorpio, you can't do that. But I think that's the whole point of some people is to tell you, you can, you can't just like if you're not in a coven, you're not in a, a real, you know, Wiccan or whatever. Um, and I think for people who want to keep things separate, if that works for you, then that's awesome. Like keep them separate or, or just decide to do one thing. Here's something that made me think. And so, you know, when I talk about gods and we've had this conversation about what do I think the gods are? Are they actual mm-hmm. gods or are they just energy, whatever? And I realize it. no matter how much I study what some people might say the gods are, that's not going to ring true to me ever. Yeah. Because on my altar, I have semis and they're not gods and my people don't worship gods. That came with colonization. So this whole idea that now I have to worship gods, no, I'm worshiping the aspect of spirit that I am drawn to, that I feel I want to work with. And that is in line with who I am as a person. Now, if that doesn't go with what people think should be in Wicca, that's fine. You got to do you. But I am I, I am tired of trying to make things fit when I know they never really have fit. And, and this is going to sound harsh. This shit is made up. Right? <laughs> no, I mean... <laughs> I don't mean it like it's you all sound bullshit. Like me. I'm saying, I'm just saying, Gardner made this up. Did he yeah. take things from ceremonial magic that are real, from witchcraft traditions that have existed? Yes, he has. But here's the thing were they always practiced in the way that he said they should be practiced? In other words, did we have ceremonial magicians in one part, traditional witchcraft in another, and he decided to just pluck the best of both? And put them together somehow. And make a Reese's peanut butter cup. Right. And which traditional witchcrafts? Because there's a bunch of different traditional witchcraft paths. So again, not to invalidate Gardner and not to invalidate Wicca, but Wicca's already a mix of things. I do not understand how we are 15 minutes into this podcast and I am already having like full on an existential crisis. But I mean, I mean, just think about it. And we don't talk about that. How Wicca was put together like a Frankenstein monster. And it works. And for all we know, it's close to what people worshipped. But we're not going to know. Because he's really far removed when he wrote these books to when we have the witches of old that he talks about. And I don't care that he went to a coven. I have a really hard time believing that this coven has existed since what? The 1600s, 1700s, how far back are they saying their traditions are going? They didn't. Wicca is a mix of what I think Gardner felt was the best of witchcraft. And when you talk about the other people that came after, like Cunningham, like um, Buckland, like the Farrars, you're talking about people who were intelligent enough to say, I understand this. 
They were spiritual enough to be intuitive about what had to happen, and they kept putting the pieces together. Witchcraft as Wicca has been put together in a beautiful way, so it encompasses the best of what witchcraft can be, could be at that moment. But if we're going to take witchcraft further, and that includes Wicca, that means we have to keep doing what the original creators of Wicca intended, and that is to add to it, to build to it, to give it the best rituals, to give it the best spells, to give it the best whatever in spirituality that people can come with. And that's how Wicca is going to grow. And the more I talk to Wiccans, the more I keep hearing that everybody wants this permission to add to Wicca. And I tell people (laughs) I'm nobody, but I give everybody permission because I think that is the whole point of Wicca. Wicca is meant to encompass the best witchcraft practices and to teach them to people and to keep having it grow. Because if people are reaching out to their own cultures, to other cultures, that means Wicca is lacking something in the 21st century. Okay. Yes. First of all. Thank you. That's a wrap. No, go ahead. (laughs) Podcast over. It's 17 minutes long. Um, I, oh man. Okay. So here's where my brain went. Mm -hmm. I think that being and embodying the idea of non-judgment is a lot harder than, it's a lot harder to do than it is to say. Yes. Because I think about this and I think this is very much like me self-reflecting. I think a lot of my spiritual practice was colored by my very scientific mind, my very analytical mind. Um, And so I think back to being young and being desperate to be right and the way that I, I treated Wicca and the way that I treated Hellenismos was very much about orthopraxy, right? doing the right thing. Um, and as I am aging, <laughs> as I am becoming an adult, uh, I am, I've been an adult for multiple years. I can't actually say that. As I am getting comfortable with being an adult, you realize that maybe those judgments weren't necessary. And would my practice be different if I hadn't immediately judged Wicca Mm. and said, I need to remove this from my practice. And then from there, am I really being non-judgmental when I talk about other witches whose practices don't align with mine or with the way that I understand certain cultures or religions it's it's not fair and it's not appropriate for me to get on a podcast and be like you just need to do the work and you just need to do what makes you happy and you need to find what works for you and then also be like yeah but you can't do this and you can't do that and it's not appropriate if you do this and i'm having a, like i said a small existential crisis about it because <laughs> i like you think in the moment that you're you're doing good, and this is this is how life works, and this is how we grow and learn as human beings. And I wish you all could see my face because I'm like judging myself as I say it. But um, it's here's where my brain is at right now. 
I think the best thing that we can do, having brought this conversation into, having birthed it, um, is to, to whatever level you feel comfortable, share a little bit about how you've mixed your traditions and, and what that process was for you, because I think this will probably be really validating for a lot of our listeners to hear that, like, yeah, not only is it okay, but you should do it. Um, so I, I, I want to talk about it because it's, um, I'm, I'm feeling motivated now to be like, hmm, maybe I should be more gentle with myself for mixing things. I think we always have to be more gentle with ourselves because we don't know anything. We know as much as we know at the moment. And hopefully the next couple of moments you learn something else, you know? Um, and then I think it's totally valid to change your minds. Look, I was one of those people that was very judgmental on Wicca. I was one of those people that if I heard people were doing things that were not Wiccan, not by according to whatever, I would get all like twisted, like, all right, Christ, I'm a witch. You know what I mean? And I always saw this division between what it was to be Wiccan and the right to call yourself a witch versus what it was like to practice magic, <laughs> right? As two separate entities. But like I said, like over time, I just think it's some kind of stupid that here I am doing a spell, but I'm not going to do it the traditional Wiccan way because I know, and I think one that we've mentioned a lot on the podcast, just to do something that people have already heard. Yes. Gascaria powder. Like yes. you're not going to tell me that that's not the best way to like cleanse and protect my home because I'm I'm never going to believe that something else. You, know, you can sage your house all you want. And I'm going to be like, yeah, okay. Why? Because this is what I saw my elders doing. This is what I saw my grandmother doing. This is um, what I saw my... Yeah. So I'm going to stick to that. But I didn't call it Wicca. I just called it like, well, my superstitions. Like my New Year's superstitions. They're not superstitions. They're the rituals and the magic that I do for the coming year. You know, when I cleanse things, it's the ritual and magic that I use. So why can't I call myself a witch with that? Why do I have to say, well, that's brujeria, but this is witchcraft. Um, if Gardner had been the kind of person that left England and decided to go to the Caribbean. It would have been in said, Wicca. Then Wicca, yeah, then it would be yeah. in Wicca, period. If Gardner wow. had the access to the internet that we have now, Wicca, I believe, would look so different. And I think he would talk about this idea. So how do I start mixing it? First of all, by keeping them really separate. I mean, that's just a fact, right? It just, things were just very separate in my mind. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when I think about, even when I ground and center, there's an aspect that was taught to me about getting, I don't even know how you translate it, but like the healing energy of the universe and drag it down to the earth to people who might need it. And that is kind of like, astral projection in a sense to bring it down mm -hmm. i never discussed that when we discussed ground and centering because i know for a fact that wiccans aren't doing that but i have been doing that for as long as i've been grounding and centering because it makes sense to me in my practice once i've grounded and centered to kind of leave and bring energy back because i am not the almighty powerful whatever there's energy yeah. that everybody can tap into which when you think about it is part of what Reiki is, which again, so many witches do Reiki, but Reiki's not, Reiki's not Wiccan. So why yeah. do we do it? 
because it freaking works, people. People understand what Reiki and the exchange of energy is, so they do it. So yes, my altars were separate, but it comes from, and here's the phrase that some people love, some people hate, doing the work. It's about <laughs> me journaling. It's yeah. about me sitting back. And I think the podcast has helped me because I would do things and go, why did I just tell people to do this? Like, that's not Wiccan. Mm-hmm. And yet I come on the podcast and I'm the Wiccan and you're the Hellenic. So I had to kind of sit with myself and go, what the fuck am I doing? Like, how, what am I really doing here? And that's when I took my semis. And I don't know when this was. Last year at some point, maybe? Year before? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know. Well, time is a construct because of the yeah. panini, so. Yeah, exactly. And I just, I put them on my altar. And the world didn't fall apart. And little by little, I started shifting my altar. I worship the deity, the Wiccan deity that's on my altar in the traditional way that their mythology Mm -hmm. asks me to. I don't try to change them. Right? Carnunos is Carnunos. He's not, he's not going to want pasteles from me. Mm -hmm. Okay? And I respect that. And I honor that. And... The Samis don't necessarily need incense and crystals, Mm -hmm. you know. So my altar really is about everything that I am learning and how I am using it. And it was not something that I did it consciously, but it was not something that I said, okay, today's the day. Today's the Mm -hmm. day that I mix everything and now it's all one. Suck it. No, my book of shadows God, that is really, so I got a new book of shadows and I got it with the intention of being a mixed book of shadows Mm -hmm. so that when I have my information there about the solstice, summer solstice, let's say, the sun that's drawn in there is a Taino sun. The Tainos also um, had rituals for the summer solstice. I have both written down in my book of shadows now. Again, nothing has come to smite me. I have not had bad dreams, bad results with spells, like nothing bad has happened. I think it was just me taking baby steps and saying, I want this and I want that. And first of all, having to rewrite a book of shadows for people who've done it (laughs) is so painful because it takes such a long time. So yeah. I basically now have two working book of shadows because you take time off and you come back to it and whatever. But I felt it was something I had to do because I wanted to put things together. I wanted to have my rituals in one space instead of saying, okay, here's my Taino prayer in Arawak. You know, it's not going in my Wiccan book of shadows. Yes, it is. Because guess what? When the full moon comes, that's what I'm doing. Because it's Scorpio's Book of Shadows. It's not. Right. I'm not the, publishing It's not a Wiccan it. or right. uh, it's yours. So you can Mine. put whatever you want in it. Right. But I think that we've been told you put anything you want, but it's a Wiccan Book of Shadows. But I think that we need to be told, no, you're going to put whatever you want. And I'm, I'm going to say this, and I'm, I'm thinking Wiccans are going to like send me hate mail. We're going <laughs> to do our practice in the Gardnerian way. Which is we're going to take what works <laughs> and we're going to put it together. Yes. And that's going to be our new Wicca, if you want to call it that. Now, that being said, I'm not encouraging cultural appro- appropriation. 
But I will say this, there is magic in every single culture. If you don't know what magic is in your culture, I encourage you, oh my God, I encourage you to go out there and read up on it. If there's nobody in your family that will talk about it, read up on where your folks came from yeah. and what's the magic there because it will blow you away. And if you feel drawn, only if you feel drawn, right, to studying more, do it. I think your Wicca will be so much better. It, it'll just, you'll be better because you're going to have all this energy. You're going to have all this new knowledge and you're going to feel more like you. And you're going to be the best damn Wiccan you can be if you choose to do that. Now, on the other hand, you say, well, if I'm so proud of my culture, why do I have Celtic gods? I really am drawn to these gods. Mm-hmm. And we had a reincarnation podcast. Which was really good. If you haven't listened to it, you need to. It was great. (laughs) But here's the thing. Where am I getting this from? Where was I before this? If I was reincarnated, if indeed that was a thing. Are we drawn to things? Are we drawn to places? I I said a story about how I had never been to London and yet I remembered something from London. Where the fuck did that come from? So is, is that guiding us? Yeah. I asked my mom once. Many years ago, I was a kid, and we were talking about Espiritismo, and I said, okay, so if reincarnation exists, Ma, I said, I'm worried. And she's like, what? I said, I'm worried about being born a Catholic, or <laughs> no, or somebody who's Jewish, no, or you somebody be, who's Muslim. Because a Catholic will always end up somehow a witch. No, no. <laughs> I don't I mean those are bad religions. What I mean is, you mean to tell me that I have all this knowledge in this life and then in the next life, I, it's all gone? Mm-hmm. And she said what you said to me. She goes, once you have found this, you will always come back. So when you say Catholics always wind up being witches because they were witches already. Yeah. They just happen to be born into this family. They will find their Wicca or their traditional witchcraft or their brujeria. They'll find it because once you have it, you're not going to lose it. So the other thing I think about is when they say, well, Wicca is the fastest growing religion and so many people are into it. Are they? Or are these just witches coming home? We talked about the soldiers coming home, but do witches yeah. come home? Every so often we hear about this new resurgence, more people are getting into witchcraft. Are they? Or have they just come home? Okay. I did not think that this episode was going. I thought we were doing a whole different thing. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not. No, I'm not mad about it at all. Okay. I just am like, I, sometimes we pick episodes and I'm like, oh yeah, this is going to be great. It's going to be really content driven. We're going to like give things to people and they can use them. And I feel like that's what I thought this episode was going to be. And instead this episode is really like asking you to think deeply about your values and <laughs> connecting with like your ancestors and the culture that you came from and valuing your own personal autonomy over the pressures of a community or the the dictates of a religion. And it's on the one hand, very empowering, but on the other hand, I think for me, it's, it's making me look back at the times where maybe I was too rigid. We've all been there. I've been there. Growth is difficult, everyone. Oh my God. I mean, look, one of the reasons people are attracted to witchcraft is the autonomy, is the fact that I can be a solitary witch. 
So I'm going to be a solitary witch and then not do what in my gut I really feel because somebody said, who's, who's somebody? And again, I'm going to reevaluate and say, Gerald Gardner is my homeboy because he knew how to put things together in a way that worked for him in a way that in a sense did honor tradition, his tradition, his culture. I almost feel like being open about the way that you're mixing your tradition is more important also because I do think that like Gardner said, you know, this is, I'm, I'm mixing these things together. I can do these things. People say all the time, oh, you could do whatever you want. You know, oh, you could be a solitary witch, but like we don't see it. And so despite it being told to us, we still are getting representation in the community of like the aesthetic witch who does the rituals with the candles and we right. still see sort of the same the same things mimicked back to us. And I I almost don't even think it's a conscious thing. It almost feels like we're all just replicating it because we have internalized that these are the right answers. And so having a conversation about that where you say, hey, this is what I'm doing and this is why it works for me is more valuable than us getting on the podcast and being like, yeah, do whatever you want. Do the work as long as it's important to you. You know? Yeah. But th that's what I would say. And I think a lot of people – and, you know, I think a lot of people are drawn to their cultures. They have questions. I think we all have questions about where our magic comes from. Yeah. And obviously you work at it. It's not like it just shows up. But every culture is going to approach it differently. And every culture is going to have their taboos about magic. And a lot of cultures aren't even going to call it magic. You know, one of my best friends in college um, came from Ireland, her mother. And her mother was a devout Catholic. But the things she did, my friend would say, my mom's a witch. Don't ever say this to her because she doesn't believe it. But oh my God, the things that she does. And I thought it was hysterical because yet, it never occurred to her to say she was a witch because she just wasn't. She was practicing her culture and she was a devout Catholic. You're not going to separate the two. And I don't think you should. That's who she was. But we do get caught up. And you know, what's funny, you mentioned the aesthetic. Sometimes the aesthetic really gets to me because I feel sometimes like when, okay, so a witch might see me and either they're going to say, oh, wow, look how she's dressed. She's a witch. Or, mm -hmm. ugh, who does she think she is dressed like that? Why does she dress like that? And it's like, I'm just freaking goth. Like, I, it just one thing just has nothing to do with yeah. the other. And sometimes I dress really rockabilly. I love certain types of music and I love expressing myself through clothing. So sometimes you're going to look at me and you're going to say, okay, she's not a witch. And other times, oh, she is a witch or, oh, she's trying to be a stereotypical witch. No, if you shaved my head bald and you, I didn't have nails and no makeup, I'd still be a witch. But mm -hmm. I just happen to like these different things. So sometimes I feel like the aesthetic can hurt us. And sometimes it helps us, you know, sometimes it's good because people go, oh, I believe you because yeah. you look like a witch. And then well, other times it's like, yeah. I worry about that all the time because I'm really like trying to moderate the Instagram and make sure that I'm, I'm trying my hardest to post pictures regularly. It's been a tough year, but I 99 out of a hundred times do not look like what people assume a witch is going to look like. And I don't even mean that in terms of like color palette because there are definitely days where like I'm in my full pink witch glory and you're like, oh, that's a witch for sure. But like right now I'm sitting in men's extra large sweatpants that I tie dyed and a crop top and, you know, no one 
no one looks at me and thinks I'm a witch most days. And so I'm I'm always trying to be authentic on Instagram with our, our followers. Mm-hmm. But I also know how Instagram works and that there's an algorithm. And that if I don't, if the content isn't witchy enough, right. people aren't going to like it. And so it's this weird, and it's so frustrating because I think it comes back to this same thing where I feel like sometimes we're performative in witch spaces, right, as a community, not consciously, right? I don't think that we get – I don't think anybody has told me, oh, you don't look like a witch. But I know what a witch is supposed to look like, and I don't Mm -hmm. feel like I look like that, and so I hold it back. I don't – I think it's the same for sort of mixing. Like I I read Wicca and I said I'm a Wiccan – so I've got to do the Wiccan things. Mm-hmm. And it takes you that time to bridge, to say, oh, what? no, I can also incorporate my culture. Now, I'm going to say this, though. I think that if you are starting with anything, traditional witchcraft, Wicca, whatever, Hellenismos, go all in on that thing. Yeah. Have a good footing on one magical practice before you say, you know what? I want to incorporate blank. Yeah. Because if not, you might confuse yourself. I don't think you're going to be a worse witch. I just think you might just get totally confused and not really know what you want. Now, I was totally in my cultural, my espiritismo that I grew up uh, understanding with my parents. But when I went into Wicca, I went all in. Mm-hmm. And I think I had to be conscious of the things that I was taking over. Yeah. And then once I was conscious, like, oh, man, I'm doing this. And it's like, hey, what else can I do? You know, I think it's really important and it's respectful to yourself and to your craft that if you're going to go into something, go all in and really understand as much as you can. I don't think we're all, any of us are experts on anything, you know, to that degree that you could say, I know everything about Wicca, you know. Um, But I think you should go all in in whatever it is you want to do so you have a really good understanding so that when you start mixing, you understand what you're mixing, why you're mixing it. And the correspondences. So if you understand what Wiccan's doing, you understand what Bruja's doing, you can say, okay, wait a minute. This is not going to work for this particular thing. But it will work here. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? I think that it just, it's just good. I had somebody once argue with me because of the way um, some people do candles. Well, that's not the Wiccan way. That's hoodoo. Okay. I do hoodoo candles. Like, I don't know how else to say it. If it works, I'm going to throw it out because it's not the Wiccan way. Okay, yeah. that's cuckoo because I learned from a Wiccan. Remember, listeners, when I said I was going to do, um, I was going to incorporate like Irish belief into my practice? Oh, yeah, yeah. How'd that go? It hasn't, but I'm sure motivated to do it now. I think I'm thinking about sort of this major difference in that you're incorporating your culture. And I a lot of times feel like I don't have one because I'm, I have like these snippets of Irish culture that were passed down from my mom and from my grandma but I don't have any real connection to it. And so for me, mixing, in it, it involves more work, I guess, because I have to go find the things before I can then go, oh, well, this resonates and I can mush them together. But why not do it, right? Like, why not do it? Your culture could be just as simple as where you live or where you grew up. I mean, a city witch is going to work completely differently than a witch that has access to a garden in the suburbs. So why can't she incorporate the city that she's in? Why can't she incorporate the energy of the people that live there? She's a city witch. You're born in that city. That's your city now. So culture doesn't necessarily have to be like where my parents came from. I think that's cool because like I said, everybody's mm-hmm. got their their magic. 
But I think you can be called to a lot of different things, you know, that resonate with you. I think that's the key thing. It has to make sense to you. And it takes a long time, at least it did for me. It may not for so many people, but for me, it took a long time to give myself permission, like you mentioned before, give myself the permission to say, this is kind of whack. Like I have two altars that basically are doing the same thing because here's the thing. So my full moon practice Mm -hmm. was Daino, but I couldn't just let the full moon go without doing something Wiccan. So I'm basically like running around doing different things for what reason? When I can make the ritual of cleansing my stones or putting my stones and crystals out in the moonlight part of what I'm doing when I do my Daino practice because Daino practice does incorporate stones. Okay, specific stones, but they don't have to be. Why? Because I'm not, look, I'm, a, I'm, I'm living in 2022. 20, and let's be honest, we are also reconstructing yeah. Daino culture, all right? A lot has been lost. So if I know for a fact that these crystals work for me, and I really do want them to be energized by the moon, I don't see my ancestors saying that that's wrong. So I'm going to incorporate what I think makes sense. And yeah, I do speak to my goddess on the full moon. And I I see her, like I've said in other episodes, I see her as another semi deity, not deity, sorry, ancestor. Uh, I see her like that. So it works for me. But It took a lot of time to get me to do that, to get me to start mixing and seeing how I feel about it. Because if I don't feel right, I'm not doing it. It's also very frustrating. I don't know if this is specifically an ADHD thing or if like all young people feel this way and then you grow out of it. But like time is not a thing you ever feel like you have enough of. And so I... I think about the way that my practice has developed and like if I had known how much time I really had, would I have committed so intensely? Would I have would I have given myself more space to explore, to be gentler with the idea of my practice? Like there's only especially like from 18 to 25, there's this feeling of such urgency. Like you have to do, you have to be perfect, you have to get there. And now that I'm 30, I'm like, I have forever. I am not going to be the same person for the rest of my life. I have forever to figure out where I want to be and what I want to do. Like, I really thought that I needed to have answers and they needed to be correct. And that was it. That was the way. That, nah, I could figure shit out for the rest of my life. I could be on my deathbed and have a lovely epiphany that like changes my whole worldview. Time feels like it doesn't exist sometimes, but like. We really can go slow with these things, and it's not going to kill us. I think I blame society. I don't disagree. Like, I blame society for everything else. But I blame society on that, because I had a conversation the other day with a young person. Young person, like I'm... Well, you are a 400-year-old vampire, so um, young person works. (laughs) That's true. But this person is 30, and they were like, you know, I want to go back to school, but I can't go back to school. I mean, I'm 30. What? Listen... I'm thinking that maybe when I retire might be yeah. a great time to go back to school because I'm going to have all this time to do stuff. Like, who is telling us these things? And we're also looking for the stamp of validation from others yes. when we're younger. Right? Um, did you pick the right, quote unquote, right career, the right college? I have so many students that are seniors that are freaking out. What if I don't choose the right college? Oh, horror. So you transfer? 
So you graduate and you still have a degree? Like, what? Yeah. I, I don't understand what the right is. But you're right. We feel that there is no time because every age has a marker. Mm-hmm. Every age you have to have done X. And if you haven't, then that's the end of the world. I, you know, I don't think that we're going to change that. But if we could be aware of it, right? Because I think that, like, I'm, I'm sitting here having these, like, existential crises on the podcast being like, wow, I was too judgmental, blah, blah, blah. But, like, I have the rest of my life to, quote, unquote, get it right. Yeah. <laughs> Society is so dumb. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> well, society is us. So there you go. We're so dumb. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like you just opened my mind and I feel like I am interested in the religious aspect, I guess, or like the cultural aspects of my my witchcraft practice in a way that I haven't been in the last nine months. <laughs> like this is the kind of thing where I want to come back to it in a couple of years and be like, okay, what does mixing traditions mean now okay. in witch face? You know? Ooh, that would be interesting. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I think we broke Gemini's brain. You did a little bit. I say we like the podcast and me. Well, like we just broke it is the brain. podcast because That's I right. think these conversations, and we, we talk about this all the time, these conversations are the things that make us grow in our practice, right? Because I wouldn't be thinking this if we weren't sitting here in this very structured setting talking about your experience with mixing traditions. I wouldn't have had, this is not a, a thought that came freely to my head. It, you gave it to me and now I'm processing it. Without the podcast, I would not even care about this. I wouldn't even have thought about it ever. No, we would have because we, we were having these conversations. We just Yeah, but they weren't – the, the structure, I think, is what – because I don't think I was as mind blown. You know what I mean? Like when we have these conversations separately, do am I learning and growing? Absolutely. But like on the podcast, I guess I take it more seriously. Yeah, I think we're more focused. We're, we're at least likely to get distracted from talking about I mean, something else and then very lose a train of thought on this. Yeah. We've, we've talked a yeah. lot. We've talked in some circles. We've talked about some really intense concepts. Is there a takeaway or is there something that you really wanted to communicate about mixing traditions? I guess the main thing I want to tell people is you got to follow your gut, you know? But I think that's more than just mixing traditions. I think when it comes to this practice, we have to, and you've said it, be kinder to ourselves. Think about why you're doing stuff and just yeah. go with your gut. If your gut's telling you to start mixing, start mixing, you know? Um, write it down so that you're consciously mixing and seeing yeah. what the results are. And don't worry so much about what people say or you think you're not a witch because you decided to do something else. You just say, listen, I'm following my homeboy, Gerald Gardner. <laughs> I'm mixing until I get the perfect blend. I still want to fight that man. I don't think I'm ever okay. going to change that one. I still am going to fisticuffs him in hell. <laughs> oh, so now there's a hell. No, we're not going back there. We're not going back to the whole what happens after death conversation. We had it already and I'm not going back there. Pole dance. <laughs> Just make sure you lube up appropriately. There you go. I loved this. I love conversations like these. I hope we have more of them. We will. Because <laughs> what else is there to do? But With us, nothing. We have no other options. And hopefully this will resonate with folks. Write to us. Let us know what you think about this episode. What do you think about mixing traditions? Has anybody out there mixed something they thought, this will never work, and look, I've done it. It's mixed. That would be a really fun callback in like a year or two to come in and say, all right, this is what we've heard from people. This is what we've been doing. This is what mixing traditions really looks like for real people. Yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome. 
because I, I, that's the only thing that I would be stuck on. Like if it's so radically different, how would I wrap my head around yeah. combining them, you know? Yeah. This is going to, this is absolutely going to end up being further conversed upon. We're, we're going to have to come back to this, I think, probably repeatedly in the lifetime of the podcast. So on that note, thank you so much for listening to us and for giving us the opportunity to have these podcasts. Without you guys, this would not be anywhere near as much fun. Thank you to Kano and Moore for our intro and outro music. And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us. Mm-hmm.